0: So our reading comes from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
1: We're going to look at uh, some of what Lorna read for us in Colossians 3. I particularly want to think about verses 12 to 14. Two, Im- two very important questions for us as human beings are: Who are we, and how do we live? And actually, they're, they're linked. One is about identity: Who are we? And the other one is about our purpose. I guess how do we live? But they're linked because how we live as human beings comes out of directly out of our understanding of who we are. Um, now, now, Paul has talked in this letter a lot about our identity. He said that our identity as Christians, is shaped by Jesus entirely. You know, he said, we are in Christ. He said, Christ is our life. We died and rose with Christ. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. We are rooted, built up, strengthened in Christ. We have fullness in Christ. His future appearing is our future glory. Chapter 3, verse 11, we are not defined by where we're from or what we have or however society puts us but Christ is all in all. So Paul has said a lot about our identity in this letter already. Jesus is our identity as Christians. Um, And then he goes on to tell us how we should live as people defined by Jesus. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul is using a picture there, as you may have noticed when we read it. It's the idea of taking off an old tatty set of clothing that was no good and putting on a brand new set of clothing that has been given us in Christ. Actually, some people think, by the way, that Paul may have been alluding to a very early tradition when they did baptism in the early church. Um, There's some evidence that they would, when someone was being baptised, they would take off one garment, into the water be baptised, and then as they came out of the water, they would be given a new garment to put on as a symbol of of that. They're a new person now. That's what our baptism symbolises and signifies. Uh, But the clothing, of course, is really our character. That's what Paul means. It's our character. No longer, he says, our anger and malice and slander, etc., which we looked at in verse 8, for example, but instead now a new character of compassion, kindness, patience, forgiveness, and above all, love. Um, But this comes from our identity, as I say. It comes from an understanding of who we are in Jesus. I could stand here and tell you till I go blue in the face, stop doing that and start doing these things, and it would do no good unless it won't change you if I just stand there and say that, unless I tell you first who you are in Jesus. And that's true of any change. We have to understand who we are. Paul actually says more identity stuff in the verses we read today. He actually goes back to the Old Testament and some of the very well-known descriptions uh, of God's people from the Old Testament, and he tells us as Christians, that's who we are. So in verse 10, he's already said, uh, literally, he's, he says, the old man has gone, and you are now a new man, being renewed. He means doesn't just mean the men when he says that. He's, the reason he's using that word man is because he then says your being, the new man, is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Man, knowledge, image, creator. Paul is back in Genesis in his mind, Genesis 1-3, to which told us of the creator creating man in his own image. Uh, in other words, as at the beginning, we, we as human beings were created to reflect God, reflect who God is and his character in the world. But we don't do that very well. We sin. Uh, uh, like Genesis 3 said, we go off on after another kind of knowledge of our own instead of reflecting the love and the blessing of God and his image. And so we spoil things, we cause pain, Genesis says. But Paul now comes, he brings all that language back again. And he says, you know, so created, man, mankind, knowledge, image of God. And he says that in Jesus, we are now being kind of created all over again renewed into a new man new people being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator as it in other words god's new creation as god originally intended that is our identity in jesus god is making humanity right again through how jesus changes us and defines us in verse 12 he uses three more identity words from the old testament when he says he calls us God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Chosen, holy and dearly loved. Those are all phrases from the, taken from the Old Testament where they were used to describe Old Testament Israel. And then uh, they became later on in the Old Testament, they were used to describe Jesus in particular. When they were looking ahead, he is the chosen one, God's beloved, the holy one. All three phrases, in other words, were, were used then of Jesus. And Paul now uses them again, and he says, if you're in Christ, that's who you are. No matter, you know, as he said in verse 10, Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, in Christ you are God's chosen, dearly loved, holy people. Now, the word chosen, I just want to say a little bit about that in the Bible. Uh, I don't think this is too controversial, but uh, the word chosen in the Bible is really about our calling. I believe in our purpose. I, sometimes, sadly, in my opinion, uh, it's it's thought of, you know, they hear this word chosen and we think, well, that must mean, who does God pick? Um, and I think that can create problems because I don't personally think that's really what this word is about in the Bible. I grew up in a theological tradition that obsessed over this idea of whether you've been picked or not. Am I chosen? Am I the elect or am I not? That was really the big question we used to ask as youngsters it seems crazy but uh, you know and and of course that means if we are chosen then that other lot are not chosen you know and, and that was kind of how we saw this word um it kind of the idea is you know it's like a school when you get picked for the team you know we're all lined up against the wall and god's picking some and not others it's like oh no um now i in I think this word in the Bible, when you look at how it's used, is is actually more about what we are called to be. It's about vocation, you might say. It's about the purpose God has given us. Um, If you want an illustration, it's like when we elect or choose someone to be prime minister. We're not just picking a person. Uh, We are giving them a role to fulfill in the world. We are calling them to be something, to be prime minister. I think that's more like what this word chosen is about in the Bible. And I think the Bible confirms that because when this word chosen is used in the Bible, very, very often it actually then says what the calling is. So it it doesn't just say, God doesn't just say in the Bible, I chose you. Quite often he will say, I chose you to be something. It's about what we're called to do. So for ancient Israel, Deuteronomy seven, God said to them, you are a holy people, to the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. In other words, they were given a calling to be holy to the Lord so that they would be, You know that idea of a treasured possession, the idea is that they would be holy so that they would be God's centerpiece in the world. It's like his most beautiful treasure that he wants to put on display to everyone to see. So that was what they're choosing was about, and it wasn't just, oh, I have picked you lot, but not that lot, it was about their calling, what they were called by God to be in and for the world. If you go further on into the Old Testament, in, when we think of Jesus and how these, this word was used of him, the chosen one, the famous servant passages in Isaiah um, that refer to Jesus, and for example, Isaiah 49, this the sense of Israel's being chosen and called Merges now into the calling of the servant Messiah, Jesus. It's very interesting how the prophet uses those words, and almost you think, is he talking about Israel? Is he talking about Jesus? And it becomes clear that actually Jesus becomes that the one called to do uh, what they were called to do, and he's described as chosen to be something to to rescue the nations, to rescue Israel, and to be a light to the nations. It says. <laughs> Uh, Further on into the New Testament, when Jesus himself used this word chosen, he spoke to his disciples about them being chosen, and he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Again, it's not, that's the calling, Jesus says, is about their vocation, chosen to be something and do something to go and bear fruit in the world. In other words, Jesus says, I've, I'm sending you out, the same as God sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. And the rest of the New Testament picks this up, for example, Ephesians 1 verse 4. Again, this word is used, but it's a calling. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy. That's what the choosing is about, our calling to be holy. Um, My point is, it's not, I don't personally think this is answering the question, has God picked me? It is answering the question, what does God call me to do and to call us to be as the church in the world? Peter uses it like this. He borrows the earlier passage from Deuteronomy and he writes to the churches and says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that, he says, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Chosen to do something, to to sing God's praises, to declare God's praises, and of course, this passage in Colossians is also about what we're called to be. So that is, and the reason I mention that is, you know, this is not therefore, you know, when God tells us in passages like this, "Oh, you know, live like this, not like this," it's not just some sort of afterthought. You know, or, you know, try and be a bit better at this and stop doing that this is about what god wants for us this is about why god one of the reasons god saves us is to be this to be this new people who no longer live in anger and malice and hatred and division but in love and peace and forgiveness and compassion and patience it, it it's not just a bit tagged on the end oh by the way try and change a bit it's this is your calling it always has been from the, throughout the Bible story. God has always had a people. He says, I want you to be this in the world for me. And it's what he calls us to be now. We're called to be holy, Paul says. Holy means set apart. Um, so in other words, we, to be holy means our lives are set apart for God. You know, he's, our, he's the one we listen to and put first. Our lives are given over to what he says to us now. Um, I, I like the phrase. I don't know who used this, but I read it once. Uh, that we to, to be holy means to orientate your life towards God. Whatever that may be, in whatever situation, to have our lives orientated towards the praise of God. Uh, and why? Why would? Why would we be holy for God? Because we've been loved by God. That's the third thing. You are chosen. You are holy. You are dearly loved. You are loved. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus loved us loved me and gave himself for me now I want this to sink in because a lot of us struggle with our self-identity it's a bit of a crisis with young people nowadays I think probably is not just for young people but some of us older ones too and it can really impact your life in a very profound way you know perhaps you struggle to think much of yourself Perhaps we've believed negative, only the negative things about ourselves, perhaps things others have said to us. Perhaps we feel maybe we're a person who has a lot of inner criticism, and we can end up feeling unsure of actually who we are or where we stand or whether life is for us or against us. And I think Paul would want us to listen to what Jesus says, what God says about our identity. Who you are is who you are in Christ. Jesus has come to show us that. These words, chosen, holy, dearly loved, that is your identity in Christ. And that's the springboard from which we leap into how we live. That's the soil, if you like, another picture, where we are rooted. That's our identity that we're rooted in that then becomes flowers into this new person who begins to live in ways that honour and glorify God instead of ways that don't. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving whatever grievances you have, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and above all these, put on love. So compassion has to do with being merciful to others. It's actually two words in Greek, this this one word in English, it's two words in the Greek. Um... Uh, And actually, it's the word used of God. God is a compassionate God. Kindness, uh, acts of kindness. Again, that's a word that's used in the Bible of the loving kindness of God. Humility, humility is the opposite of being self-important and boastful. It's the opposite of looking down on others. And Philippians 2 tells us this was the attitude, the mind Christ had, um, who humbled himself and died on the cross for us. Uh, He did not act selfishly. Gentleness, that's about, I think, really about being sensitive. Um, You know, you can be very harsh. Some people can be, well, we can all be, too harsh in the way we respond sometimes. So I think gentleness, you know, it sounds a bit "Mm, gentle. What it's about is just being sensitive about how we communicate and treat one another, and not sort of just going in like a bull in a china shop. Um, patience. We all struggle with patience to some degree, don't we? Bearing each, with each other's faults. Giving each other time. Not writing each other off. And God, again, is often described as the God who is patient. All of these virtues describe God. And how God has been to us. Because he's been like that to all of us. And now they should describe how we are as his people, as Christians. It's no accident that it's exactly how God is to us that we then should be to each other. Because verse 10 said, the point of this is we're being renewed in the image of God through Jesus. That will mean we bear with each other and have to forgive each other. We need to. Forgiveness is hard. But he says, look, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a real motivation when forgiveness is hard. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Uh, again, it goes back to what God has done for you. He loves you and he's forgiven you. And that must motivate our, our willingness to forgive one another. And then verse 14, of course, the one, the one thing that binds it all together is love. Um, over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond. Some think that's still the clothing metaphor and that love is kind of the, the garment over the top that, that holds it all in place if you think about it all of these things if if they weren't done with a motive of love it would all really be just a bit of a facade wouldn't it and that's what Paul says in First Corinthians 13 you know you could if I speak in the well I'll read it I did write it out here if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but I do not have love I am only a resounding gong and a clanging symbol in other words it's, it's just a load of noise if it's not motivated by love. Uh, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my bodies to the flames, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is, what, what is love like? He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never ends. And so these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So many qualities there in that very familiar reading are the qualities listed here in Colossians. Patience, kindness, humility keeping no record of wrongs. Those are what love does. That's what love is like. And of course, love is the ultimate characteristic of God. 1 John says, God is love. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The reason he saved us was love. Uh, Galatians 2, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 4, this is love, not that we loved God, but he that he loved us and sent his son as an atonement for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Jesus himself said, didn't he, love one another just like I have loved you, because by this everyone will know you are my disciples. So my point is, this is our calling as a church. It really matters. This is what God wants us to be. This is what we need on a day like today when we're here and some of us are are quite shocked and sad because we've lost loved ones. It needs to be a community where people can come and know that they are safe, that they will be valued and listened to, that they will have space when they mess up and that we'll bear with them And it's not easy, and it's not always nice and neat and tidy. And sometimes there's a place for challenge and honesty and truth. But even then, we do it in love. Here, here. I did, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. And I guess, guess, yeah, just remember where it's all starting. Where does it all come from? Where is it grounded? It It is Jesus and what he has done for us.